listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone? It's Chris Vogel, and welcome inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boo Crew Media and Level Water. Level Water is a New Orleans-based alkaline water that goes through 11 stages of purification and is infused with bioavailable minerals such as calcium, magnesium, and potassium to deliver superior tastes and hydrations. Try Level Water today by visiting levelwatercode.com BKM and use our latest code for the month of June, BKM6PK, for a free six-pack of Level Water. All you have to do is just pay shipping fees or select free local pickup. Once again, the code for this month is BKM6PK to get your free sick pack of level water. Now let's get into this episode of Straight Up Saints. And there's a big topic that I want to discuss about kind of the meat and potatoes of this episode for sure. And then has to do with the Saints wide receiver room. But before we get into that, just kind of get into what happened over the weekend. And I actually had a mini break from everything uh, this past week. So I was trying to enjoy my time away from things. And I think on Sunday, just chilling on the beach and then bam, get an alert that Julio Jones is traded from the Falcons to the Tennessee Titans. And of course, Saints fans had a lot to say about that. And why not? I mean, this is a division rival that trades away one of the best players to ever suit up for their franchise. And that's the way I look at Julio Jones. And it's funny enough, the rivalry between the Saints and the Falcons on the field is almost as good. And I'm saying almost because I actually think the fan perspective is even better between the, the Falcons fans and the Saints fans. I mean, there's just pure hatred between those two sides and it's somewhat hilarious at times especially on twitter when there's nothing violent going on it's just funny memes and jabs going left and right you could really appreciate that but with julio jones it's actually a little bit different because julio was never that guy to just talk trash and go after the other team he just kind of went about his business and for that i really do respect julio jones a ton and he was a great player for the falcons still is a really great player when healthy, but I won't miss him. I can tell you that much. Not having to face him two times a year. If you're the Saints, that's a luxury. Now they still will face him because the Saints play the Titans on the road this season. And that's going to present a really fun matchup because you have AJ Brown and Julio Jones against the Saints secondary, which at the cornerback position is probably looking pretty suspect to say the least. So we'll see what happens there. But Saints fans will get at least one Lattimore versus Julio Jones matchup within the next couple of years to watch. But not having Julio on the Falcons, I think it's a plus. Obviously, the pressure goes to Calvin Ridley, goes to first-round pick Kyle Pitts. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying to Saints fans last week or two weeks ago. I forgot when I first posted it, that the Kyle Pitts move, from a po- uh, prospect perspective, I think Kyle Pitts is outstanding. But I found it a little bit weird. It's almost because you know you take him and you think, all right, if you take Kyle Pitts, I thought, logistically speaking, I would just probably roll the dice with the offense they had and just try and outscore people this season. But obviously, when you take Kyle Pitts and then you trade away Julio, you're playing the financial game. and You're just trying to replace one elite weapon with another, and we'll see if that actually works. But it's funny to me that Falcons fans couldn't wait to make fun of the Saints' financial situation for, uh, I don't know, maybe the last five years. However, their financial situation is the reason they traded away the best player they've ever had in their franchise for at least the last decade and a half, and that is Julio Jones. He's been that good. Falcons fans will forever miss him, and they'll forever love him, and the only reason they had to get rid of him, really, outside of the fact that he wanted out, was the cap situation, and if you don't believe me, just go watch, go listen to Albert Breer, go read what he had to put up uh, in his latest column, and he kind of talked about how Julio Jones's cap number just wasn't great for a team that has to pay a lot to Julio, has to pay a lot to Jones, has to pay a lot to Grady Jarrett. So he kind of is the odd man out to his age, his injury history. And because of that, besides the fact that Julio wanted out, financially speaking, they said, all right, let's do it. So while Falcons fans make fun of the Saints for not having a great financial situation, just know they were winning while doing this. Now they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they were a playoff contender. 
the Falcons were towards the bottom of the NFC, NFC and as a result had to trade their best player they've had for the last decade just to be, in their eyes, cap compliant for the next year or so and in the future look a little bit better. Now, while we're on the subject of wide receivers, let's talk about the Saints wide receiver room because that's been something that's kind of been on my mind for the last couple of weeks. And for anyone following me on Twitter, and you probably are following me on Twitter if you're listening to the podcast, you know that I've been thinking about it because I actually tweeted about it, I believe, on Thursday or Friday of last week. I kind of started talking about the wide receiver room, and I thought, hey, when people were talking about the, I think it was the wide receivers for the Saints next year, people were saying, man, I mean, Deontay Harris is going to be great. Callaway's going to be great. Trey Quan Smith's going to be a lot better. And in my head, I was like, hey, look, I love optimistic fans. And I almost feel like you sh- you're better off being optimistic than pessimistic because when you're pessimistic, you get like a losing scenario in your head. And if you- it actually unfolds, it's almost like you lost twice. Whether if you're optimistic, yeah, there's a letdown, but you only lost once in your head because the other time you were expecting a win. And I know that's a weird way of thinking it, but with the Saints, with their wide receiver room, I was almost baffled at how optimistic people are. And that doesn't mean that I don't like the guys that they have in their wide receiver room. I'm actually going to talk about this probably for the rest of the show. It just surprised me. And the reason why is when I look at this wide receiver depth chart for the Saints, and everyone has a different perspective when you look at this depth chart, I see Michael Thomas, who I still think pound for pound is one of the three best wide receivers in football. Don't let that CBS list fool you where they ranked him 55th, uh, 55th, oh, 55, 55th overall in the NFL. I'm losing my mind there. He's still one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL. He's been great with Bridgewater. He's been great with Breeze. Heck, two of his 100-yard receiving games last year, and which was the worst year of his career because of injuries, he had 200-yard receiving games with Taysom Hill like that. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He's going to make plays. And that's why he's the, before he was offensive player of the year, the last wide receiver to win that award was Jerry Rice. That's how good Michael Thomas is. Now, he's not Jerry, but he's damn good. And there's a lot of people that kind of, you know, want to throw his name in the dirt and say that he's not great. We know what he is. He's going to get you 1,400, 1,500 yards minimum if he's healthy. Outside of Michael Thomas, though, and this is where I, I want to t- kind of talk about it and, and dissect what's going on here. The Saints have a lot of nice pieces if they take that next step. And you have to put a lot of emphasis on the if, and you have to put a lot of emphasis on nice because they're not great and they're not special, but they're nice pieces in the Sean Payton offense that you could get something out of. But it all depends on whether or not they take that next step in their progression. So let's kind of break down everyone and go through them. Deontay Harris, to me, out of the three, is the most exciting because I think when he's on the field, he can do a lot of damage. And we kind of saw that he had seven receptions for 83 yards in the wild card round of this year's playoffs. We saw last year he had that big catch against the Vikings in the playoffs. When you get the ball in his hands, he's shifty, he's quick. The yards after the catch ability are something that not many guys have. He does. And you think with the Jameis Winston offense, he could potentially have some plays over the top. There's reason to like Deontay Harris. Heck, I'm telling you right now, I do like Deontay Harris. I think he has a lot of special gifts and he does something that you can't teach and that's speed. You cannot teach speed, especially his type of speed. However, Deontay for me is not about development. Obviously he needs to develop. It's more so just about injuries and staying healthy. And what I mean by that, he is, he has missed time over the last two seasons. And unfortunately last year, he only played nine games. And in the playoff game this last year, this past season against the Buccaneers, he was fantastic on special teams. And if it wasn't for a, in my opinion, controversial call from the officials, he would have had a special teams touchdown. And he would have had a really good return that set up a field goal. So he would have spotted his team basically 10 points just off his special teams ability. Now, 
He did get hurt in that game. He did hurt his neck, and it kind of brings up the question, a guy his size, that quick, special teams, bodies are flying around like crazy. How much can he endure in terms of a physical toll? Because that's a lot. And if Deontay's going to take that next step as an offensive playmaker, then maybe you have to dial back the special teams. Or if you don't want to dial back the special teams, then well, guess what? He probably isn't going to have that big of a role on offense. It's tough because he's so dynamic. And you know he's great at special teams. He's an all-pro player at special teams. We've seen that. And at wide receiver, we've seen flashes of a really explosive weapon. But I don't know if you're going to get the two. And you have to make a decision in my eyes, at least, and we'll see what happens there. But I, I really, out of all the three, and I really do like the three wide receivers that I'm going to break down in this in uh, on the roster, but out of the three, Deontay excites me the most, at least from a potential standpoint. There's a lot to love about his game, but I am a little concerned about the injury side of it, and we'll see what happens this season. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and, and develop a nice relationship with Jameis Winston, if Jameis Winston, of course, is the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Now, let's go to Marquez Calloway, the rookie well, last year's rookie from Tennessee, undrafted. The fact that he made the roster with no preseason, with no mini camps, it means he did a lot in terms of showing them what he can do in the film room, in terms of what he can do on the field when he gets that opportunity, not messing up. And we kind of saw that because when the Saints are without Michael Thomas and when the Saints are without Emmanuel Sanders, you're like, oh man, someone's got to step up. Marquez Calloway comes right in and he looks great. And at times, I kind of thought he was a veteran wide receiver. He just doesn't get phased by a lot of things. The kid is very poised. I love Marquez Callaway. And I, I'm going to tell you, I love every receiver that they have on the roster when it comes to their potential, when it comes to certain things they do great. But this doesn't mean that the Saints have a great wide receiving core. And it doesn't mean that all these guys are ready to take that next step. It just means there are certain attributes I like about them. And what I like about Callaway is I like that he knows when to get to the sticks, turn around, make a play. He's not explosive per se, but he does a lot of the little things right. Whether it's a seven-yard pass here or a 10-yard pass there, he does all that. And he actually is a pretty solid returner. So there's a lot to like about Callaway. But I can't sit here and tell you that he's going to take that next step and be a great wide receiver in year two. It's a process. And health is another thing with Callaway. He did have a knee injury here and there. So that is something that you want to monitor. And I'm not saying he's injury prone, but injuries are part of the game. And that's why it's another layer of saying, hey, you need depth at the wide receiver position. I'll talk about that in a little bit, why I say that. But Callaway, for me, he's in that boat with Deontay. If he's healthy and if the role is there, I can see him making plays. But is he going to be a guaranteed impact player week in, week out? I can't say that because there's only one guy at the wide receiver position the Saints have on their current roster that can do that, and that's obviously number 13. But the guy that you hope can maybe do that, and I kind of talked about it on Twitter, and I talk about him every year, and I'll probably do it as long as he's on the Saints, and now he is entering a contract year, so maybe he won't be here much longer, but it's Traquan Smith. And man, Traquan Smith, every time you think he's going to break that barrier and take that next step, there's a little bit of a drop down. And now this year, he did have the most receiving yards for his career. He did have a couple of fantastic games. He had one against Detroit, which was just truly, truly amazing. But again, with Traquan, what are you getting and when are you getting it? And outside of Drew Brees' record-breaking performances, you really didn't get great games. I mean, when those happened, Traquan was going to ball out. Outside of those games... I could count on my on one hand. You know, he had the Detroit game. He had two Drew Brees record-breaking games. He had one against the Eagles, which was just phenomenal. Traquan's just not consistent enough. However, 
I'm not here to be negative about this one. I think Traquan out of the three is the most likely to take that next step. Now, while I think Deontay Harris is the most exciting and offers the most potential, I think Traquan is the most likely to make that next step. And why do I think that? Well, for starters, he's now going to play in a system where the quarterback play in terms of throwing the ball down the seams and pushing the limits it better suits his game. Coming out of UCF, he was not this possession-wide receiver that is just going to sit there five yards here, six yards there, slant route here, curl route there. Traquan likes to get down the field. And what is something that Jameis Winston might do? Throw the ball downfield. Who is working out with Jameis Winston a hell of a lot this offseason? Traquan Smith. Now, I know Callaway is too, but Traquan Smith seems to be everywhere Winston is. And I don't know if that's their way of saying Jameis is the guy or their workout routines are just better or Traquan in his head is saying, hey, I'm making the decision. Jameis is the guy who's best for this offense. But either way, Traquan Smith, there are flashes there. Now, if they stretch the field, a guy like him who is a really good blocker at times, he might have a couple of opportunities to slip out and catch a pass down the field. And that's important. When And it kind of goes down to the Michael Thomas thing. When you can't throw the ball deep or you know your offense as a whole is just not going to go over the top, it makes life really hard for wide receivers because you're one shortening the route tree and two, you're je- you know, you're compromising what they can do because the coverages are different. I'm not going to play off ball. If I know your quarterback can't throw over my head, what the hell, what the, what's the point of that? If I know you can't throw over my head, you will see more press or you will see people inch up a little bit more on the field. It really does complicate matters and it's harder. And you might say, Hey, well, if you inch up, you could go over the top. You can't do that if your quarterback's not going to hit you. And that unfortunately was a problem for the Saints last year. And it's no knock on Drew Brees. It's just accepting what it was. And last season, they were not going to push the ball downfield. And hell, they probably weren't during 2019. 2018 was that last year that they were doing it. So I think with Trey Quan with a different quarterback, and this is not to rip the quarterback position. You guys know how I feel about number nine. Obviously, you see behind me if you're watching you're watching on video. I got a whole Drew Brees shrine over here. But Callaway and and Traquan and Deontay. These are guys who, with a quarterback who will stretch the ball down the field a little bit more, maybe that's what they need to kind of take that next step. And if not, then this team obviously is going to have issues where it's a lot of Michael Thomas. It's a lot of, okay, one day it's him, next day it's him, third day it's that guy. And that's what you don't want because you're repeating the cycle of, hey, in the regular season, you can manufacture offense. But when teams in the playoffs dial down and and just focus on Michael Thomas, who's going to make them pay? They haven't had that. They haven't had that the last four years. I know people want to say they've had. They just haven't. And and outside of Ted Ginn's first and maybe second season with the Saints, and I think it's really the first season that he did it, the Saints really didn't have a wide receiver two since. And I know that they're good at picking diamonds out of the roughs, but why why does it always have to be that way? Why do we always have to go with the diamonds in the rough instead of just actually getting premier talent at the position? And I'm not asking for a superstar. I'm not asking for a Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks pairing or a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin pairing. But hey, a Michael Thomas and a solid number two would not be bad instead of Michael Thomas and potentially a couple of wide receiver threes. That's just the way I view this wide receiver depth chart. You might view it a little bit differently. And if so, that is your opinion. You're entitled to it. And you might be better than me in terms of being optimistic and just seeing something that I don't see. I just think there's a lot of ifs. There's no guarantees outside of number 13. And I, yes, I like Traquan Smith. Yes, I like Deontay Harris. And yes, I like Marquez Calloway. But I can't, as of this June, say, man, this wide receiving depth chart is going to be amazing this fall. I just can't do it. I know Michael Thomas, if he's healthy, is going to be amazing. I don't know who's going to take that next step. Now, I, I do think Traquan has the potential. 
I think Deontay has a potential. I think Callaway in his second year should get better. But it's a hard jump. It's a hard jump. And remember, the reason why I kind of harp on this talking point is not because I'm worried about the offense. I will not be worried about the Saints offense as long as Sean Payton's running the show. I think he will find a way to get things moving. He did it with Taysom Hill. He did it with Luke McCown. He did it with Teddy Bridgewater. He will make it work. Even if the quarterback play isn't superb, we'll find a way to get guys open and scheme things and figure it out. Hell, the Saints won a game in Chicago against a good defense with Drew Brees hurt, old, and a wide receiving corpse that uh, consisted of Deontay Harris, Jawan Johnson, I believe Austin Carr might have been in there. I mean, what the hell was that that they threw out there? Callaway was out. Sanders was out because of COVID. Michael Thomas was out because of his ankle. And the Saints won that game. So there are ways for Sean Payton to figure this out. So it's never going to be about the regular season. But the league is changing in the fact that none of these top-tier teams are content with their wide receiving corps because they know it's a passing league. They know that wide receivers dominate. Wide receivers have it made now. They are athletic freaks. You can get down the field really quick. And guess what? You touch him, that's a penalty. It's it's just the game is it's kind of going in their favor. And teams are taking advantage of that, and they're adding wide receivers every year. And if I bring up some of the best wide receiving corps in the NFL, guess what they did in the NFL draft? They added a wide receiver, and it's not even on their board of needs. It's just addressing the fact that you can never have enough pass catchers in the NFL. You can never have enough. And I truly mean that because the NFL is all about health. Two years ago, the 2019 season, the Bucs actually lost towards the end Godwin and Mike Evans to injuries. Now they're both healthy this year and everything worked out and they got Brady and we saw how that ended up working. But what have they done? They've added Antonio Brown. They've added Tyler Johnson. What did they do this year when they didn't need a wide receiver? They drafted Jalen Darden from North Texas, who a lot of people like. What did the Cowboys do? The Cowboys, we talk about their roster being bad, but the one thing they got going for them is they have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. They have CeeDee Lamb. They got really good receivers. They drafted Simi Fajoko from Stanford, who is a really nice piece where they could put in the interior if they want. In the slot, he could do some damage. Really good guy. He's not afraid to hit, get hit when he's catching the football over the middle of the field. How about the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, you have Travis Kelsey. You have Tyree Kill. You have McCole Hardman. You have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. You drafted Cornell Powell from Clemson, who, by the way, it, just by looks in terms of body build, the guy looks like DK Metcalf 2.0 just in the way he's built. That doesn't mean he's going to be great, but they, they address that position because you can never put enough talent around your quarterback. And if you can just overload them with wide receiver talent, do it. Absolutely do it. And if you think I'm done, I'm not done. There's more teams that have done this. The Rams. Coming into the draft, they had Cooper Cup, who is a star. Robert Woods, who in my eyes is a star. They signed Deshaun Jackson, who, yes, injury prone, but a veteran to add on the depth chart. They drafted Van Jefferson in 2020 from Florida, who was one of my favorite prospects at the time. You expect him to take that next step. So they already have four receivers who are either notable names, veterans, or really nice potential. But guess what they did in this year's draft? They drafted 2-2 Atwell with their top pick that they had. Remember, they didn't have a lot of picks because they've made so many trades and they're aggressive. But they drafted 2-2 Atwell, who has great speed and could maybe become that next to Sean Jackson, and it will help that he learns from him. So they added another wide receiver. How about the Seahawks? Man, they got a lot of holes, but wide receiver ain't one of them. They got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, one of the best duos in the NFL. And what they do? They went... And they drafted Dwayne Eskridge, and he is going to be a playmaker in that offense. So 
We just saw it last with this weekend. Tennessee Titans, yeah, we know they have A.J. Brown, but they lost Corey Davis. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to leave A.J. Brown, I think he could do it alone, let's go get Julio Jones. Get another wide receiver to one to help your quarterback and help everyone around them. And this isn't me just, you know, bashing the Saints. I, I think the Saints will figure it out. They're, it's going to be the hard way. They'll figure it out, but it's going to be the hard way. But surround your quarterback with talent. This is not prime Drew Brees who is going to make a, a $5 steak taste like something from a nice steakhouse. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to come here and bring all these unproven players in and figure it out. Juwan Johnson, Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Kwan Baker, all those guys, not all of them can become stars, guys, and not all of them can become week-to-week consistent players. Now, do I think two, at least two could? Yeah, sure. But you are asking a lot from guys who aren't, let's say, as physically gifted as others or aren't as high-selected draft picks. And, and look, even Kwan Baker from South Alabama, I really like the selection in the seventh round. You're still asking a lot for a seventh rounder to become an impact player. Not everyone, you're, Marcus, Marcus Colson's don't grow on trees, guys. The, those guys are just rare. Everything clicked on and off the field. So I'm just confused as to why the Saints aren't prioritizing the position a little bit more because their hit rate is very good at that position. I mean, whether it's Colston, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Meacham, whether it's Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, Traquan Smith, they draft well at wide receiver. I mean, this year when they took Baker, that was the first time they drafted a wide receiver since they drafted Traquan Smith. And yeah, sure, Deontay Harris undrafted, that worked out. Callaway undrafted, that worked out. But you can't go to the well every single year and expect you to get something out of it. It's That's a lot to ask. So I'm just a little thrown off as to why they're not adding a little bit more. I mean, this league is all about throwing the football now. And with the 17th game, the likelihood of injuries kind of goes up. And we've seen with the Saints team, if Michael Thomas goes down, man, you're, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. If Michael Thomas hypothetically goes down, and obviously I'm crossing my fingers and hope he doesn't because... Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows he's my favorite player on the Saints. I make it abundantly clear when I can. I love Mike. I love him on the field. I love him off the field. He's the man. If he goes down, even if it's for a week, even for just a game, just one game, and he, he goes down in the first quarter, and he'll be back next week, but he's going to miss the rest of the game, are you confident with Callaway, Traquan Smith, and Deontay Harris with Jameis Winston's first year in the offense? That's, that's a lot to ask for all parties. I'm, I'm sympathizing with them more than I am roasting them, in my opinion. I just think there should have been a little bit more talent brought to this room. I can be proven wrong. And if I am, I hope I am. And I'll say I am if I am. But it's just odd to me that, man, everyone else is getting better at the wide receiver position. And the Saints are saying, we're cool with what we got. We don't need to make upgrades or at least not major upgrades. It's just fascinating, especially when you have a coach who's offensive and, and one of the best play calls in the league. Wouldn't you want to add another toy to your offense and maybe see what you can do there? I mean, there were reports that the Saints liked Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Would you imagine putting Elijah Moore in this offense? I think he'd be your wide receiver too from day one, and that would solve a hole on this team. And I get it. They had to fix the defense. They had to address other positions. But if the Ian Book pick doesn't work, you probably look back and say, hey, could we have taken a wide receiver in the fourth round? Probably could have. And maybe the hit rate would be better. But it's just something to consider as we get closer to training camp. I really like that Trey Quan and Callaway and a lot of those guys in Juwan Johnson are working out with Jameis. I think that's only going to help if he is a starter. There'll be good chemistry there that's getting built over time. You obviously like that. And it's not like the Saints have three wide receivers who can't play. If they couldn't ball, I would just be ripping this offense right now. But I think that Trey Quan can ball. We've seen it from time to time. I know that Deontay can. He just has to stay healthy. I know that Callaway as a rookie looked way better than people thought he would. 
Can at least one of them take that next step? And I think if one of them takes the next step, the Saints will be in business. But one of them has to do it because if they don't, again, it all falls on 13 shoulders. That's a lot to ask for a wide receiver, especially over the course of a 17-game season. That's all I want people to consider. Now, before I wrap this thing up, and obviously I want your take on this. You guys can add me on Twitter. We'll have a nice little dialogue about the wide receiver corpse and where you stand on it. I'm not cautiously optimistic, but I'm not completely pessimistic. I'm somewhere in between, like smack in the middle of those two. And whatever word that ends up being, you let me know. And that'll be my adjective when to describe how I feel about this Saints offense. But before we go, Saints are bringing in veteran free agent cornerback Dre Kirkpatrick for a visit. Been reported by multiple people. And they, you know, obviously people know they've been in the market for a veteran corner. This is a secondary that doesn't have a lot right now. Obviously, Lattimore is great, but there's a looming suspension. And then you have Paulson Adiba from Stanford. Do you, is he going to start week one? That's a lot to ask for from a third round pick, but he does have the physical tools to do so. And then it's Patrick Robinson, PJ Williams, just not a lot of depth at outside corner. Now, Kirkpatrick last uh, season appeared in 11 games um, and had three interceptions. Uh, I, I, the pro football focus grade, I'm not going to get into it. I know a lot of people sent it to me. They're like, hey, it's pretty shitty. Pro football focus is what it is. Some of their grading is fantastic, but... Look, you're not going to sign Dre Kirkpatrick on June 8th and tell me that his pro football focus grade is going to be like an 80 or 75. That's not going to happen. If that was the case, he would have been signed already and and things work out that way. But PFF is not the be-all, end-all. But Kirkpatrick would give them depth. It's a position of need. Outside corner, you need a lot. You could take him. I know I would. people want Steven Nelson or Richard Sherman. And those are the bigger names. I don't blame people for wanting them. But if the Saints sign Drake Kirkpatrick, I mean, I don't think anyone could really get mad. It won't cost them anything. And they need cornerback help. So if they pull the trigger, so be it. It's not a problem. And we'll see where it goes from there. But again, guys, I'm interested to know what you guys think about kind of the, the main theme of this show, which was the wide receiver room and what kind of happens with this team moving forward. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about the wide receiver room outside of Michael Thomas, because we know what 13 brings to the table. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys, as always, for listening. And make sure you stay tuned, because we'll have another episode either next week or earlier this week in the event. There is some fun breaking news to talk about the Saints. Or, hey, if something comes to my mind, I want to talk about it. You guys know where you can find and listen to it. That's here on the Straight Up Saints podcast.